Bring Your Kid to Work is being recorded in the Anjan, and we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Yuggera and Turrbal people as the traditional custodians of the land and waters on which we learn, work and play, and we extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We support the Uluru Statement from the Heart and its call for an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice to be enshrined in Australia's constitution. It's time to bring your kid to work. Hey everyone, it's time to bring your kid to work. It's the family podcast that explores the world of work through the eyes of parents and their kids. Each week we interview one parent and their child to chat about what they do for work, what they like, what they don't like, and how they got there in the first place. Let's find out who we're talking to today. Our special guests today are Paul and his son, Luke. Paul Hodgson is CEO of the Scaling Green Hydrogen Cooperative Research Centre and also the chair of the Queensland Manufacturing Institute. As the CEO, Paul is working towards making the world a greener, cooler and more exciting place to grow up in by increasing the use of hydrogen for fuel. For more than 30 years, Paul has thought of himself as a specialist generalist, which means he's not an expert in any one single thing but he knows lots about all sorts of things. He's the kind of person who likes to think differently and likes working with lots of experts to help make big decisions that can change the world. As well as CEO of the CRC, he's also the chair of the Queensland Manufacturing Institute, helping those businesses in Queensland that make things that we all use. He brings his son Luke with him today, who is more knowledgeable about football and footballers than I think most commentators are on TV. I really enjoyed this chat. I hope you do too. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to Bring Your Kid to Work. Today's episode is called The CEO. Let's find out who's joining us today. Can you introduce yourself, please, special guest? Hello, I'm Luke. Hi, Luke. How old are you? 11. 11. So that means you're in grade five. Grade five at school. Excellent. Luke, who did you bring with you today? My dad. What's his name? Paul. Hi, Paul. Hello. What grade are you in? I'm in grade, uh, what was it, 173? (laughs) Close to that, yeah. Luke, I brought you guys in today because I wanted to talk about your dad's work. Yeah. And your dad, his job title is CEO. What does that mean? I, I don't know. Do you know what the acronym CEO stands for? I don't think so. No? Corporal. Corporal? Enforcement officer. Interesting. What does CEO stand for, Paul? Chief Executive Officer. So the officer was right, and I like quite like corporal enforcement, but <laughs> actually it's Chief Executive Officer. What does a Chief Executive Officer do? Well, they own the company and they like organize meetings and conferences. Okay. It's really close, but I don't own the company, but I help manage it. So, I'm, so the CEO is the main manager of the organization. Ah. Luke, what do you think that means dad does all day? Work. Yeah, what kind of work? What does a CEO do all day? He organises. Yeah. He is in conferences and Mm -hmm. meetings. Yeah. So a lot of meetings, a lot of talking to people, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Paul, do you have lots of meetings and talk to people a lot? I do, yes. Yeah. Sometimes I listen to them. (laughs) (laughs) What do you love? Soccer. What do you think you want to do when you grow up? Be a soccer player. Paul, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? So I wanted to be a doctor. What kind of doctor? I think just a GP. I didn't want to cut people up. I just wanted to talk to them nicely and give them a prescription. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you're the CEO of what exactly? Luke, do you know what it is? Uh, I know it's about hydrogen, but I don't know. Scaling green. Yeah. Or maybe making the ecosystem better, hydrogen. Yeah. Wise. Yeah. What is it, Paul? Well, scaling green hydrogen. So hydrogen is, well, it's the first element in, in chemistry. It's the light, lightest element and it's the most abundant in the universe. However, it's also a clean energy carrier. So um, if you burn hydrogen, it actually only releases water vapour. So there's opportunities for hydrogen to be used instead of coal, oil and gas in fueling the world and addressing climate change. Ah, that sounds good. That does improve the ecosystem, Luke. Mm-hmm. That's pretty close. So part of it is a cooperative research centre which is where you bring people together to cooperate on research from different parts of the economy, from government, from industry, from research, from the community sector, to work on challenges together. And so the challenge that you're working on together involves green hydrogen. On Earth, hydrogen attaches itself to other things. So ammonia, gas, oil, water all have hydrogen in them. But on its own, hydrogen can be used to carry energy Ah, so it can carry fuel of some kind and then when it burns off, it's just water instead of burning off and making more carbon dioxide and stuff that goes into the atmosphere. Absolutely. Right. Okay. I get that. I'm understanding that now. Luke, do you understand that now? Yeah. Yeah? I didn't do chemistry at school, so now I'm trying to, I'm trying to catch up. What did you do to get this job? To get this job... I had been working a bit in hydrogen before, but I've worked in research and innovation and government and industry collaboration before as well. So I I guess I wasn't aiming for this job, but my journey led me to this job, if that makes sense. That makes sense. A lot of your experiences and the work that you've done before builds on itself and then you get to this job. But what was your very first job that you ever had? I probably had a range of jobs. I I remember cutting lawns, which I think is a pretty standard first job for some friends of my my mum. But I also had a friend that went away and I did his newspaper route for, I think, one week and one week was enough. That was really, really hard work. And then I worked at Woolworths, bagging groceries and doing price checks for the cashiers. So that was in the days when you used to have someone at the end of the cash register and they would be packing up your bags. Wow. Did you know that, Luke? No. You didn't know that? Well, I kind of knew the Woolworths one, but I thought that was his second job. Ah, what did you think was dad's first job? A Pizza Hut worker. Ah. Uh, Pizza Hut was my third job. I worked at a place called Banjo's Roosters and Ribs, where I got to dress up as a bandicoot sometimes on Saturday mornings and Thursday nights and walk around handing out vouchers for chips. So you'd have been very pleased with the vouchers for chips. But I do remember scaring my youngest brother when I went into the shopping centre and he didn't know it was me and he was crying and I felt really bad. Do you have aspirations to be dressed up as a bandicoot in your jobs, Luke? Not really. No, none of those kind of things. What about, what would your first job be then? I mean, are you, I know you want to be a soccer player. Do you think you're going to have a different job first? Uh, probably. Yeah. I might follow in my siblings' footsteps and be a McDonald's worker. Oh, yeah. Nice. Or, like, I don't know. What was your path to this job? What made you apply for this job? 
I think my career, I've always wanted to do interesting things that have an impact. And I've been working in sustainability for the last 20 years. And I've moved into hydrogen energy over probably the last six or seven years in particular. And I was invited to be the CEO as they were looking to bring a group of people together to work on a 10-year plan to actually have an impact. And that excited me. Nice. Luke, does your dad like his job? Yes, he does. Yeah? I think. You think? I don't know. What makes you think he likes his job? Because of what he's said so far and how how interested he is. What was your hardest job that you've ever had, Paul? My dad was a bricklayer and so on university holidays, I would sometimes spend a day or a couple of days working with him on a building site and that was hard work, making up the mix, the cement mix with a mixer and and moving it around a very bumpy construction site in a wheelbarrow, getting that up to the bricklayers and also bringing bricks for them as well. One time there'd been a wall that had been knocked over. My dad had my brother Mark and I cleaning the bricks, you know, pulling the cement off of the bricks. Not a very fun way to spend a day. That doesn't sound fun. Does that sound fun to you, Luke? No. No. You don't want to go out and just kind of scrub bricks from a fallen brick wall? Definitely don't want to do that. (laughs) That sounds fair. I don't think I want to do that either. What did your mum do for work? So my mum had a a range of jobs. Probably the earliest job I can remember my mum having was working in the post office. Before I was born, she was working in, I think she worked for AMP actually in London, which is where she first got a sense of Australia, I think. She's had a whole range of jobs, really helping and service-oriented jobs. She's worked with uh, people with disabilities. She's worked in TAFE colleges. She's worked doing recreational care and a whole range of things that I think is really interesting and amazing. And she went on later in life and and got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree as well. Do I understand that you and your mum were at university together? Our university did cross over a little bit. I think I might have started first and then she started a, a bachelor's degree in adult and vocational education, but she'd been well in the workforce before then, whereas I was really green straight out of high school, seeing university as a extension of school. Do you want to go to university, Luke? Um, depends. Yeah? What I want to do. Like, yeah. I might not want to be a soccer player when I grow up. I might want to do this and to do... The best I can at that, I have to go to university and learn how to do that. Mm. What would the that be, do you think, if it wasn't soccer player? You got any ideas? I uh, no. What are jobs that you admire? So people you see doing their job and you go, oh, that's an important job or I really admire that person. A uh, prime minister probably. That's a pretty important job. Or teacher. Yeah, also important job. I think it's really interesting that what is an admired job, I think, changed through the pandemic. In Australia, at least, we had this idea of an essential worker. It was really interesting to think about the people that often are essential, but often aren't celebrated, potentially underappreciated. So people who work in food, in food production, in distribution, in retail, teachers, childcare workers, people who work in hospitals and aged care facilities, and cleaners. I mean, how important are cleaners in a pandemic? So I think those sort of things are really important. So what you admire is often you think of people who have high profile, but actually 
I admire people who make society run every day. That stuff is important, absolutely. Paul, are there things in your job that you find really challenging? I think sometimes the juggle. There's often more things to do than you can do, which is why I like working in teams and why it's important to kind of find what it is that you that you like doing and what you're good at and finding other people that can do other bits. I like variety. So I don't like sitting at a desk for a long time. I don't like doing too much of one thing. I don't want to be on video calls from eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night. I don't want to be looking at spreadsheets or writing a report for all of that time or be facilitating workshops all of that time either. So I like, I like variety. So for me, it, it, when it becomes a little bit too much of one thing, that can be challenging. But also if there's a sense of there's too much work to be done and there's not enough people to do it, that can be challenging as well. That does sound hard when you've got too much to do and not enough time or people to do it. Does that sound familiar to you, Luke? Are there lots of things that you want to do and you don't have enough time to do it? Yeah, playing with friends Yeah, sometimes. Because sometimes you have to get your homework done. Annoyingly, yes. <laughs> sometimes you have to empty the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you got to start all over again from the very beginning of your career, maybe after the Bandicoot costume and after Woolworths, would you try a different career, different job? I don't know. That's, that's assuming that I don't have Bandicoot costume regret, <laughs> that that could have been my career because it's quite a niche. There's not a lot of people wearing Bandicoot costumes. This is true. I think I probably would have gone overseas, maybe traveled. I always liked the idea of potentially being a travel photographer or something like that. I think I didn't get the sense of choice as much early in my career. And and I had a very narrow sense of what a job was. I remember my guidance counselor at school saying, you should kind of get a good, solid job, be a teacher, be a doctor, be a lawyer. It didn't seem like there were a lot of options. And it really, you were pegged depending on your academic results, which way you went. And really, you should aim for what's the most popular courses to do at university, not the ones that really were the ones that were for you. So I think you're feeling your way for a long time. But I don't think I've ever had the same job title twice. I've really enjoyed my career. It's given me lots of variety and lots of fun. So I don't know if I'd change anything too different. But I think getting out of the standard early on when you've got the opportunity to, I think is really important. Get out there and be free and explore and start something and travel. Start something and travel, Luke. Does that sound like something you might want to do? Maybe. As a professional soccer player? Yeah, probably. You may have to travel a bit. Yeah. Depending on what I play for. Who do you want to play for? Liverpool. It's a long way away. You will have to travel there. (laughs) And they travel long distances. They've been in Asia for their pre-season. They didn't come to Australia, unfortunately, this time. But they have been to Brisbane before. They did play the Brisbane Raw um, a number of years ago. So, Luke, when Dad was 11, do you know what he wanted to be when when he was big? No. What did you want to be when you were 11? I probably wanted to be a professional footballer. (laughs) I probably wanted to be a soccer player. I was obsessed with soccer. I would listen to even lay and listen on the radio to the results of everything from the English First Division to the Scottish Second Division on a Sunday afternoon when they would actually go through all the results. And I would update them on a little cardboard wall hanging thing with little tabs but it was not something that I was working hard at at all and there's a difference in sport and any activity actually if you want to do it professionally the amount of work you have to put in for some people will make that not as much fun 
That's true. Do you put in the work to be a professional soccer player, Luke? Do you play soccer? Yeah. What do you do in order to prepare? Warm up. Yeah. Train. How many times a week do you go to training? Two. And then you play a game? Yeah. Yeah. But before the game, it's 45 minutes of warming up, and Mm -hmm. that's basically training. Yeah. But not training, but like warming up. Yeah, warming up is important so that you don't hurt your muscles, for sure. And you probably play every day at school? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not playing it, you're probably watching it? Yeah. (laughs) Or you're playing FIFA? Yeah. Yeah. Also training. Luke, as a professional soccer player, how much would you get paid, do you think? Depends Mm -hmm. on what team. Like if I was high up, maybe 25 a week. a week. And if you are going to work at McDonald's for your first job, how much do you think you'd get for working at McDonald's? Probably like $20 an hour. That'd be nice. Probably a bit less than that, I reckon. When I started at McDonald's, I was getting $4.74 an hour. But that was 1992, so it's a little while ago now. It's probably closer to $20 an hour now, I think bit different isn't it yeah yeah way different yeah and so what are you going to need money for when you grow up what are you going to be spending your money on um if you have a family you would have to spend money on that family to feed them to have them healthy like going to the dentist going to the doctor you have to put insurance and many like car insurance you have to buy a house Mm -hmm. you have to buy a car many things that you need money for And it's pretty expensive. Yeah, it is. You're right. So you already worked that out. That's good. Soccer players often don't stay soccer players for their whole lives because they get a bit older and they don't play anymore. So at the end of soccer, you would have a whole different career. What would would the career be that you would want after being a professional soccer player? Maybe before I became a soccer player, I went to university and did stuff in being a vet. Ah, um, and after I would be a vet if I wanted to. Yeah. If I had the opportunity to, yeah. if I was skilled enough to. What would make a skilled vet, do you think? What do you have to be good at as a vet? Um, you have to have the kind of like power, but like you have to make the dogs happy. Mm-hmm. You have to be like controlled of them so that you can do what they do so they can feel better. Yeah. You have to do checkups mm-hmm. on dogs, cats. If they like got hurt, you have to like do checkups to see where they got hurt or how bad it is. If they need injections, if they need an x-ray, if mm-hmm. they broke anything, mm-hmm. you have to do many sorts of things that if in any job. Yeah. That's really true. What about dog vomit? Would you be all right with dog vomit? Probably. Yeah. What about checking dogs' temperatures? You know, you have to put like a thermometer up their butt. Yeah, I'm fine with that. You're fine with that? I think you'd be an excellent vet. And you could do that after soccer? Yeah. If you want? If I have the opportunity to. And if I still want. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really important because your mind can change as you move along in life you know your dad said that he wanted to be a soccer player 
and then he changed his mind and did something completely different, went to university. And what did you study at university, Paul? So I studied international business relations. And what I liked about it was it was global and it was about variety. So it had a whole range of different things in it, marketing, accounting, politics, law. So for someone who really didn't know what they wanted to do, but actually probably felt like someone in the world because I'd come from the UK just only seven years earlier as a migrant um, and lived in a migrant camp, uh, international business relations sounded appealing, but it wasn't my first preference. There you go. So you don't always get your first preference either. And sometimes things can move and shift as you get older. So right now you're thinking soccer player and vet. And then maybe once you've done those things, you can do something else or maybe you'll do something else instead of those things. I was 11. I wanted to be a pediatrician, a doctor for kids. Am I a doctor for kids, Luke? No. Exactly. Probably good for kids that I'm not a doctor for kids. We've got quite a few (laughs) Band-Aids and some Panadol. Um, your mind changes just like your taste buds do. Every seven days, one week. Your taste buds change a bit. And just like your mind, your mind can change what it wants to do, what it doesn't want to do. Like your taste buds can change what you like, what you don't like. It's very true. It's very true. What didn't I ask you, Luke? What would you like to tell me about jobs? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Soccer player would be an outside job. Yep. And a vet would be... Probably mostly inside job if you're working on animals like cats and dogs, but you know, you could be a vet for horses and you might be outside. Mm. That's very unlikely. Luke does not like horses. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared of horses. Well, maybe being a vet of horses would make you realize not to be scared. Maybe you'd change your mind about it. That's interesting. I regret saying that that mind changes. (laughs) Like taste buds now. It's probably more cats and dogs, yeah? You'd be most interested yeah. in being a vet pool. I'm really scared of horses. Yeah. But also birds. You could be a vet for birds. But I'm fine with birds. Yeah? As long as they're not aggressive. And you could work at a zoo. You could be a vet for no, thank you. giraffes and lions. Mm. And giraffes clean their ears with their tongues. Yeah, I knew that. How did you know that? Because I'm smart. So gross. That's why their tongues are long. Well, not the only reasons to get, like, stuff from it. And the trees like their neck. Mm. Paul, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to tell me? A kind of wrap up. I think jobs are, you spend a lot of time at jobs. Yes, you need them for money, but I think there has to be so much more than money for it to be a job for you. You need to work with nice people. You need to be doing something that makes you feel purposeful, that's meaning, got meaning for you. And that it fits in with all the other things going on in your life as well. So, and, and that's kind of what's guided me in my career. Something interesting, working with nice people, I can develop and have impact. And, it, uh, and it, it fits in with my priorities, which are my family. And when they get out of whack, that's when it's time to do something different or to make a change. What makes a good job, do you reckon? Um, money. Um, happiness. Mm-hmm. Good co-workers. Important. So apart from the job that you're doing now, what's been your favourite job in your career? My favourite job? 
you know, I mean, it sounds crazy, but actually working at Pizza Hut on a Friday night or a Saturday night when it was really busy making pizzas and working with a group of people who were getting stressed and making them laugh and making it fun was and and therefore making us productive was was good and i i like that i i think you should be able to bring fun to any job if it's not fun you're not doing it right there you go excellent last words thanks luke thanks paul thank you goodbye bring your kid to work is a lioness media production this episode was produced and edited by me nicole lessio our music is composed by Rakuo, with graphics and design from Anastasia Makuka. Subscribe to Bring Your Kid to Work wherever you're listening right now to hear all our episodes. And you can also share with your friends. We hope they enjoy listening too. You can follow us on Instagram at Bring Your Kid to Work and on Facebook at Bring Your Kid to Work, the podcast. And you can follow me on TikTok, Nicole Lessio. Visit bringyourkidtowork.com to see bonus content, transcripts from our episodes, and to sign up to our newsletter for the latest updates. Thanks for listening. He's saying he's 52. He's not adding the million, okay? Just oh, okay. That's right. Clarifying his real age. Yeah, my first job was actually trying to run faster than dinosaurs so I could get back to the cave. It's important. What's your fastest 100-meter record? Sabertooth tiger. No, like how, how <laughs> the quickest. We didn't have watches or timers, Luke. So it was guess just, you didn't beat Bolt's nine five eight. I probably didn't. Good, <laughs> but we didn't have any. We didn't have clocks. hadn't been invented yet. So our sense of time was just that was really quick because yeah. I was being chased by something really fast. Indeed, more like you're just slow and it's slow. Okay, thanks. Slower. <laughs>